VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are It's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Melbourne, Australia, down under, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice, do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on its time because this is NHB No Holes Barred Radio, folks. So now let's get the show started. We do not have a guest today. There's a lot to talk about. and I'm here with my co-host, TJ DeSantis, who's a guest every week. I get to be with him on this show. Hi, TJ. Hi, Buff. Uh, man, NHB, that's an acronym that maybe some casual MMA fans are not all that familiar with but before it was mma it was it was nhb nhb one of the original websites for our sport was nhb no holds barred remember yeah uh one of the old one i forget the name well uh, eddie goldman had no holds barred radio and yeah right. i think uh the old uh full contact fighter shirts had nhb in their logo you know that's like, the one uh, i'm talking that's yeah. what i'm talking about yeah yeah probably one of the originals one of the one of the original sites for our sport and honestly really a unfortunate acronym in a lot of ways because it makes the sport sound a lot more barbaric than it actually is but uh you know you learn you live you move on you grow i think in my marketing mind yeah that nhb is one of the greatest slogans in the world i agree i agree the the only thing though is again the way that the UFC was originally marketed, you know, Couldn't two men enter, one man yeah. leaves. You, you had to make it more refined. You had to get it to, you know, sound more like a sport. And uh, mixed martial arts definitely is uh, the term of uh, choice in my vernacular. Exactly, exactly. So let's get into some NHB talk here. First off, the big game yesterday. We cannot start out the show without talking about the Super Bowl. The Patriots reigned supreme again. A lot of people. Went it's a rerun. Blindness. I've seen this. I've seen that show before. It's a rerun. Uh, you know, people said, "Who are you going to bet against?" We talked about it last week. As much as you may love the LA Rams and the Cinderella st- story they had with the youngest coach in the NFL, I give the man a lot of credit. I think the Rams have been a ton of fun to watch. But like I discussed last week, you cannot bet against Brady and Belichick, and you cannot bet against Edelman or Edelman. Is it Edelman? Edelman. Uh, Julian Edelman. Edelman. I mean, you so can just Julian- call him MVP. MVP. You know, when I look at Edelman, what I see in him, he looks like one of those classic examples of a pure football player. The look, the scruffy beard he let grow just for the game, his facial expressions, he gets in there. It's, you know, he's a brutal, energetic, nonstop player. And he came and he shined. And he and the catch by Gronkowski uh, definitely made oh, the man. game for the I, Patriots. It was I, awesome. I didn't watch the game. Uh, live or or really at all, but I watched the highlights and yeah. I, I can't think of a better way. I mean, I don't know if he said as much, but it sounds like uh, Gronkowski may be retiring. Um, because I think there's a lot of opportunities for that young man and he's got his pop opportunities culture, a- acting whatever he wants. Really, honestly, I um, think that I think where you're going to see him. Yeah, I'm, pardon me for stepping. No, you're on good. Here, you're always. good. I think where you're going to see him. <clears throat> Because of what he his his character, and because he likes to put himself out there, and, and he's self-deprecating, and he knows how to have fun, he's perfect. And let's talk about this for the WWE. He's perfect for it. Gronkowski yeah, could have a heck. That's just a huge I, grind for someone who's made enough money. Like he doesn't need to make money. I can't imagine be, him going on two hundred dates a year. You know what I mean? Does does, does honestly. At the point that Ronda went in the WWE, she probably had enough money to sit back and mm. enjoy her life. But she loves, here's my point. Yeah. She loves the WWE. Yeah. If Gronkowski loves the WWE, then he's going to love what he does. And he can design a contract where he doesn't have to be right. grinding it. I mean, you know? So we'll, we'll see. We'll the, see. The difference between Ronda and Gronkowski, though, is 
Gronkowski probably made as much in two years as Ronda did in her entire MMA career. Agreed. And, I mean, there there's a difference there. But I, I agree with you. Gronk has the charisma and personality mm-hmm. to be someone that that audience would just eat up. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, right now, they're in the post-NFL Super Bowl win glow. Right. Th- those rings are just amazing. Yeah. I love the one. The, the best commercial. I know you don't watch the show. Let's rate the commercials right now. You know, all these articles come out the best, the best. There were only two commercials that stood out for me. One was a great commercial that had all these great past and present NFL superstars from Bradshaw to Emmett Smith to you name it in the same room, all dressed up, and suddenly they're going at each other playing football. It was a very funny commercial. The takes that one stood out big time. And there was another one that did real well. And there was another one that played in Rhode Island that only you would see if you were in the state of Rhode Island that happened to be moi. I saw that one. I saw that one because a, a little birdie gave it to me. But. Oh, yeah, I sent it to you. That's yeah. right. What did you What did you think of that? I, I, mean, I liked it's, it. I liked <laughs> it. Come on now. Everything with, with Mr. Buffer I'm going to like. But, yeah, Bruce, uh, that, that was a huge score for you. Awesome. Yeah. A huge score, and you know, it's it, it's one of those things. I'm advertising for an attorney in Rhode Island. The man spent a lot of money, and as you can do for people to understand, when you see a Super Bowl commercial, like I had a national Super commercial, Super Bowl commercial for Budweiser about three, four years ago. I remember, super, yeah. And that one went all over the world, right? Yep. Th- this one was a Super Bowl commercial, so I can honestly say I've had two, but it's a regional commercial. Doesn't matter. So the, You're still on during the Super Bowl. Exactly. So you know, people. Paid their money, excuse me, paid their money, pardon me. People saw it in Rhode Island. It's going to continue to run for the next few months in Rhode Island, if not beyond, depending on, you know, the deal that we put together post the first three-month run. But I made fun of myself. I had fun. Yes, it's for an, an attorney um, who's a really cool guy. And, you know, in this business, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. you got to be course. able That's what's For those that don't understand, that's what self-deprecating means. I mean, you're willing to make fun of yourself. Yeah. You, know, you could check your Funkin' Wagnall there. Uh, ah, Funkin' Wagnall. <laughs> But anyway, that was the case. So, okay, that was one. Now, here's my big complaint about mm-hmm. Super Bowl commercials, about any commercial. I always talk about this from time to time on the show, is that there's ego advertising, which means they just want to be part of the Super Bowl. Okay, right. that's great. And they're spending all this money. Yeah, pay your $55 then, million dollars or whatever for 30 seconds. Whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, ask yourself, the commercials you watched when that commercial was over, do you remember the brand it was promoting? I say a third of the commercials, I'm like, uh, what was that about? It, it, it's just right. so much money out, but well, that's me. I'm, and, I'm looking at and, it. And you probably know this uh, more than I do because you're such a, a, you know, intuitive mind when it comes to branding and whatnot. But in radio, they say that if you don't buy uh, a radio package that runs your spot at least 10 to 10, I think it's 10 to 15 times in the same spot over the course of a week, uh, you're you're not even going to resonate because people just zone things out. It's probably a little bit more different um, with television, but the point is 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 repetition is really key, especially if your ad isn't really blatant and hard hitting. If it's more subtle or if it's uh, something that you know isn't humorous to where you walk away remembering it, you need repetition, and obviously you just can't afford that during the Super Bowl. You're absolutely correct because in advertising consistency is key so that your brain or that that spark in your brain or that area of your brain remembers what you saw. It creates a Pavlovian response so you remember and you think about the product at hand. The problem with a lot of commercials is they don't do that. And that that forced uh, memory cell, let's say, in the brain, if I'm saying this correctly. So again, they spend tons of money. I've said this before. Single page ads and magazines, even like the UFC did back in 2000 when the Fertitas bought the company, you know, you're seeing full page ads in various magazines from Sports Illustrated to Playboy, whatever. Well, people turn the pages. They don't really look at those ads. Right. And the big the big companies on the Super Bowl that have the gazillions of dollars to make these commercials, as an example, like Burger King which had a really cool commercial on the show. It had nothing to do with burgers, but it, it really did represent the brand Burger King, right? Yep. They don't expect you to literally run out and buy a Whopper right after you know watching the commercial. They just want to create familiarity to the brand. They can afford it. Don't think if you put a commercial on TV that immediately 
you're going to get a ton of response. That is a 50-50 shot, and I'm probably being very generous in those odds. It's about branding, and it's about creating awareness. And if you don't have the money to do that, and you put all those millions out, chances are you're not going to recoup the money you spent in the form of sales that right. the company makes after that commercial. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, with the commercials that lack uh, a, a real mascot. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to remember anything that is in those commercials. And also, too, I think the same can be said if you just use a celebrity, because we could sit here and be like, oh, yeah, did you see the uh, radio or the, the television spot that Bruce Buffer was in? Yeah, I saw it. What was it for? Oh, I don't I don't know. Bruce was in it, though. Like, you need to have something memorable to your product as well. You know what I mean? Like well, the, the Energizer bunny works because he's beating a damn drum that says Energizer. If it was just a pink bunny, it wouldn't make any sense. People wouldn't remember it. Again, you're absolutely correct. That's why a mascot, if you want to call it a representative, just well, it's a very interesting subject we're talking about right now. Right. So let's just let's just take a. I'm going to give you a few commercials that work. All right, let's do it. All right, flow. Oh God, progressive, right? Progressive flow. Yeah. I had my, I had Michael do a commercial with it, right? Yep. This woman is the face of Progressive Insurance. She probably does. I'm going to guess. One to two new commercials a month. You can't even begin to realize how much money. I don't know her name. I forget her name. This well, money this woman's making good for her. Yeah, and good she, for her. And no offense to her. She's just kind of a middle-of-the-road uh, actor. I've seen her in some movies, not big uh-huh. things, but I was like, oh, my God, it's Flo. And, and it that is. tells me, oh, my goodness, she is a superstar when it comes to you know television advertising. She's probably one of the richest people in commercials if you take all the money she's made in the last five plus years. And, um, you know, she doesn't need anything else. She found her niche. She nailed it. Good for her. Other ones. The Jack in the Box with the big white head. Right. Always, always been a good one for me. Um, it can go on and on and on. So, Aflac. Aflac. The, the, the duck. The, these are commercials that will constantly remind you you can't help but remember uh, by the consistency and the millions, gazillions of dollars they spend. So it works for them. This is where social media the whole social media run has created a whole new form of advertising. But when people pay people who have the million followers, it, unless unless you have a half million followers, it's not really advantageous. Once you get over a half million, then people start looking at you and want to offer you deals too because you have a direct audience. That's the key. A commercial is like, or a single page ad in newspapers, who's going to see this? Right. Who's going to remember this? What's going to resonate? I, what's going to resonate? But right now, if you tag onto accounts, you know, Take a Conor McGregor, for example, with his millions. Take even Habib with his 14, 15, 16 million followers. Yeah. At Ronda Rousey, even Ariane Celeste, you know, with her 3 million plus followers. This is a dedicated, direct audience that will listen, and a good percentage of them will listen or observe what the person is selling. That's where you put advertising dollars because you're dealing with a direct potential audience that's going to see it. Yep. There's a big difference there. That's yep. one of the powers. Of social marketing. Okay, well, that's our that's our business lesson for today. Right. Getting back to the Super Bowl. Okay, we all know what happened. Um, Again, I will tell it's you a rerun. I've seen like last three years. I've seen this team win or whatever. Well, if I may brag a little bit. Okay, last year I turned on the show and I you know that I only bet football. Okay, whether it's with friends or at Vegas casino, whatever. I definitely get action on the game. I got yeah, plenty doesn't, of friends. Doesn't Anna owe you some money? Yeah, that's right, John. We made it. What did we make? A two hundred dollar bet. That's right. Okay, I'm going to see okay, it. In, I, uh, I want fifty bucks because you would have forgot entirely. So perfect. <laughs> How about twenty nine ninety five? I'll take whatever. Okay, so then uh, actually we're flying to Melbourne in two days together. So I'll have a fun time seeing him on that one. Dinner's on John. So anyway, um, I have now only lost one Super Bowl. I think in the last fourteen years. I'm like thirteen for fourteen wow. years. And I told you that story because I had originally made a bet on the one that I lost, and Charles Barkley swayed me to go the other way, and he was having a bad night at the casinos, and I saw him the next morning, and he's like, Buff, I really think this team's going to win whatever, and I changed my bet. Now, Charles is a, is actually a very good gambler. He, you know, we hear all these stories. I thought you were going to say that, golfer, and that, 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 I know well, that's I not wanna, true. I, <laughs> so I'm not saying anything bad about his choice, but I listened to him. And I changed my bet. But that's okay. That was my choice. So on this playoff season, I only lost one playoff game. And that was the New Orleans Saints, which I think had a lot to do with that one referee call. It was without made. a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. 
So Super Bowl one, John Anik owes me a little bit of shekels, so it'll be a fun time. Listen, there was a scam that took place I want to tell you about, all right? This is a this is a scam of nearly $1 million. It's a ticket scam. This guy named, uh, what's his name? He's a Georgia man, right? He's vanished, uh-huh. okay? The, the police say he's ripped off friends and family members, family members, get this, to a tune of more than $750,000 in a ticket scam. Okay, so a dozen people are claiming his name is Keaton Shaw. He promised them really prime seats to see the Patriots take on the Rams, and he got all his money up front. Police say one alleged victim gave him twenty thousand. Another victim gave him five hundred thousand. Oh my God! At, at worst of all, he took a thirty-six thousand dollar payment from his own mother. Oh no! He he also took out a half million dollar loan against the printing shop he owns in Gwinnett County uh, in Georgia where he lives. So all the, all the victims said that he promised them 100 level seats plus access to the concierge lounge and Super Bowl pre-parties. None of them received anything. So his mama, who was one of, um, one of, the, one of the victims, the right. victims, yeah. she, she's the one that went to the police and reported the scam. Right? Well, I mean, and, it doesn't matter if it's your blood or a buddy. If you're getting screwed, you're getting screwed. This guy should be hung out to dry. Seriously, hung out to dry. All right, we'll see what happens on that. Let's get into the UFC, okay? I did not announce, and uh, I want to just say something to the wonderful, wonderful Brazilian UFC fans. I got a lot of emails text everything yesterday because I was not in Fortaleza on Saturday and I, and I started getting a Saturday. I want to say, please understand. I always want to be in Brazil, right? I was not scheduled for the show. I had to, I have to leave for Australia in two days. I had a very, you know, busy week before no excuses, but I was not scheduled. I would have been there had I been scheduled, but I understand this was one of the more exciting shows and I did not see it yet. I'm going to watch it tonight. One of the more exciting shows um, but then again, TJ, if I'm not mistaken, all we're having is exciting shows, right? It's really been on a run lately. Tell me, did you watch the show? Of TJ? course I did. Yep. Did post by okay. radio at patreon.com forward slash between rounds. If you want to go check it out as well, people slip that in, say it a little slower again so people can hear it. Cause yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Okay. So there's two fights I want to ask you about yeah. TJ. Um, Marlon Marais and Rafael Sanso, right? Yep. We're talking about. Jiu-Jitsu personified. Mm-hmm. So, Rafael got defeated in round one by a guillotine? Yeah, but it was the right hand on the feet that dropped him, mm-hmm. and uh, he was hit again, which kind of sent him for a loop, and Marias pounced. And, you know, that's what I love about really high-level mixed martial artists is their ability to hurt you on the feet, but then to submit you on the floor. And that's what Marlon Marias did. And, uh, Huge credit to him. I thought he won their first fight. This was a rematch. Uh, I, I believe that Marais should have took that first uh, fight. He he lost via split decision, but, you know, uh, no judges necessary on Saturday night in Fortaleza, and Marlon Marais did it big, and um, we'll see what happens. I, I think Henry Cejudo is probably going to you know trump him for a title fight with TJ Dillashaw at 135 pounds, but Marlon Marais, man, he, he deserves uh, to be next in line right there. I want to I want to touch on Henry a second. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite fighters, fantastic young man, just just a real pleasure to talk to him. Very t- very intelligent. Henry to me is an example, like the way he's been talking lately. You want to call it trash talk. You want to call it promotional talk. Um, without the cursing, I think I don't think I've ever heard him curse. And if he has, okay, it's been you know just a few or here or there. Mm. I think he's one of the better talkers. I think he's intelligent the way he talks. He asks for once he wants to ask. He's making his points known. Right. I, I'm admiring Henry in the way he's carrying himself. It might not make Dana very happy, some of the things he says, but, you know, he's out there, he's talking. And um, that is an example. And tell me if I'm wrong, TJ. I, I like the way he handles himself. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, it, it's all up to opinion, but I think Henry Cejudo is a, a great fighter and, and someone that I find uh, interesting. I like to hear what he has to say. Um, you know, this is a sport where you can be the best fighter in the world. No offense, Demetrius Johnson, he can be the best fighter in the world. But if you don't resonate with people, if you don't make people feel a certain way, mm-hmm. your skill, despite being the best, it's not going to translate into money. It's not going to translate into, you know, the the sort of 
paydays that you know the the most intriguing and most interesting fighters in the world get like i'm not saying that you can make up for talent with um vocal skills but at the same time like you need to get people to care and and winning is everything if you don't win no one's going to watch but you're going to have a much more fruitful career if you are an honest version of yourself while also you know, hamming it up a little bit and, and getting people to take notice and care. Exactly. And Henry is obviously on a dire road to promote and maintain and hopefully hold on to an existing everlasting 125 pound flyweight division, which is his constant plea. Um, and we'll see what happens. So g- getting back to good job, Henry. So getting back to UFC Fortaleza, Jose Aldo defeats Hanato Moicano, right? TKO strikes in the second round. I'm reading all this uh, great stuff about Jose. Um, you know, this is now his second performance coming back. He's had a big win in front of his Brazilian uh, home country. Uh, he's on the map again. He's asking to fight Conor McGregor. Then again, so is everybody else. Very impressive win, TJ. Jose as or Jose as the Jose we know. Very impressive, was it? Yeah, I mean, it was incredibly impressive. I thought Moicano was probably going to win this fight. I thought even during the fight that it was playing out that Moicano was starting to get comfortable um, I was really impressed with uh, Aldo's ability to take some strikes. Um, you know, he, he was hit flush on the button a few times, but ultimately, you know, survived that storm. And, you know, when, when Jose Aldo hurts you, I think he's the most ferocious fighter in mixed martial arts that we've ever seen. His ability to, to hurt you, whether it's a shot to the head or shot to the body, he never stops mixing up his targets. And, and that was really, I think, sort of key to what he did in the Jeremy Stevens fight. And, and also what he did in the uh, Hanata Moicano fight, um, you know, having Moicano hurt, he still attacked the body, dig hard left hooks to the body. Uh, Jose Aldo, I mean, I, I think he's on the backside of his career. I, I don't think that he's really a factor uh, against Max Holloway. We've seen that played out a couple times. But um, as long as he wants to fight, I, I think there are intriguing fights for him. Uh, if he wants to fight Conor McGregor, I think there's a payday there. I don't know if Conor necessarily wants it. I think ultimately, too, it would have to be at 155 pounds. But... Uh, Jose Aldo, there, there's still a lot of money to be made for him. And, uh, you know, I, I expect him to go get it over the course of, you know, two to three more fights. Cool. Let's see what happens. See how it works out. So Fortaleza Saturday and Melbourne, Australia next Sunday or Saturday, depending on where you live. Uh, we're heading down to Melbourne. Always a pleasure. Love the country of Australia. Love the UFC fans in Australia. Love the people of Australia. It's one of those incredibly uh, cur- country full of courtesy, class, everything I can say. Uh, Melbourne reminds me of New York. Sydney reminds me of the greatest, one of the greatest cities in the world. I've said this a million times on the air. Really looking forward to this trip. Really looking forward to this card. On the card, uh, the fights are there. There's standouts just to poke out or pick out or poke at a couple of the key fights. I am so excited to see Israel Adesanya fight the great Anderson Silva. I think all of us are. You know, and I'm not going to say that he's like, I, I, I don't make these comparisons. Always like John Jones, always like Anderson. No, Israel Adesanya is like Israel, Israel Adesanya. Very unique in his work, his abilities, his personality. Anderson Silva, what more can we say for the great Anderson Silva? It's been a while since he's been in the octagon. I'm sure every fan out there is looking forward to this fight. It will be a middleweight war. The main event, Robert Whitaker, Kevin Gastelum, who again, you know what I say about Kevin Gastelum. Uh, he is the Roberto Duran of MMA. I even told Kelvin that he loved that, uh, analogy description, whatever the case might be. Whitaker, the man finds ways to win, highly skilled fighting in his home country, big battle for Kelvin. This is going to be exciting night, TJ. And it's a pay-per-view, an international pay-per-view. So I'll be heading down there with our favorite guest on the show. My man, John Anik. So looking forward to that show. Real quick on the Kelvin Gastelum tip. Um, I, I mean, I got to favor Robert Whitaker because he's been through some wars. He is the champion. He's fighting in his hometown. But I think Kelvin Gastelum is the prime example of a fighter that, you know, was fighting in a weight class at 170 pounds. That was too much of a cut for him. He couldn't really make the weight. And he's not the biggest middleweight at the same no. time. But look at the success no. that he has had. And, and I think he's kind of a throwback fighter to you know, guys like Dan Henderson, who really didn't cut uh, a ton of weight and came in and hung with the absolute best. If Kelvin Gastelum gets it done on Saturday or, or Sunday, if you want to call it that, 
in Melbourne. I wouldn't be surprised. And it would be a really great crowning achievement for him, you know, who has gone through some adversity, has been, you know, a fighter that has been in between identities, between welterweight and middleweight. And I think would be a sterling example for, you know, some other fighters that are maybe, you know, trying to cut too much weight uh, and fight in a weight class that they don't necessarily belong in and be comfortable in their own skin and, and capture a title. So Kelvin Gastelum, while I think he's fighting and, and trying to make a statement for himself, that he may be the shining example for the next generation of fighters to go, look, I, I can either cut 15 pounds and try to make, you know, welterweight, or I can cut, you know, maybe five or 10 pounds and, and you know, maybe, maybe be small at middleweight, but what I, you know, don't cut out in the weight cut as far as energy or, or hydration, et cetera, is concerned, I'm better for it. And I look for Kelvin Gastelum to do big things, not only on Saturday, but in the future at 185 pounds. Well, I agree with you, and he's done nothing but big things if you look at his career and his achievements and the people he's beat when we were looking at him as an underdog. One thing that I suggest the fans watch in Kelvin on Saturday or Sunday, again, depending where you live, watch when he strikes. We're talking to a man that's very adept on the ground, very adept on the ground, okay? But standing up, his Elbows are in to the side. They're not out. He's not winging his punches as many mixed martial arts do. He's artists do. He's punching down the pipe. He's boxing. He's, you know, honestly, he's, he's a boxer. He's a boxer. He turns his body into every punch. The distances that he throws his punch. I preach this forever. Throw direct, short distance, putting your body inside it straight down the pipe. The power you hit with. <clears throat> Versus winging a punch, you know, uh, hooking a, a large punch, not turning your body into it, turning your foot, the whatever, the, the basic basics of striking, Kelvin hits like a mule. Just watch it. Watch him versus others and how tight he is, but fluid he is in his punching power. And, and also, too, Buff, on that tip, I think the reason that he's been able to find success at middleweight being the shorter fighter giving up, you know, reach against opponents is his technique. He understands the technique of, of not only just boxing, but boxing for mixed martial arts and the angles that he's able to cut and get on the inside and land with power. I mean, it's it's something that obviously can be taught, but it, it can't be taught. Like, you, you need to sort of have that intuitive fight knowledge that is gained, you know, from from application. You can't just walk into a gym and, and you know, pick that up uh, over a short period of time. And I think Calvin Gastelum is, is really, really underrated when it comes to understanding how to get inside longer opponents and, and hit them with power. Exactly. Do not let Kelvin Gaslam get underneath your defense and put his head on your chest. It's going to be a long night. All right. <clears throat> One of the articles that came out recently um, this weekend, actually, is, and again, this is all hearsay or whatever, but Amanda Nunes considering retirement after a potential fight with Holly Holm. I want whatever's best for Amanda. She's the uh, prime example of the most winning female mixed martial artist, at least in the UFC. Her records say such. I, I love watching Amanda fight. I like Amanda as a person very, very much. Um, people have to do what's right for them, but that's one fighter I would like to see fight for you know a good amount of years to come, but she's got to make the decision that's best for her, and I hope and I'm sure she's making great money to bill for her retirement, so we'll see what happens there. I got a question for you, TJ. Yeah. The, the Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov, suspensions. Mm -hmm. Now, to my knowledge, <clears throat> I don't pretend to know everything. I have to ask questions like anybody else. Uh, since the fight at 232, mm -hmm. does the suspension retroactive? Yeah, or it, goes, is it, it goes back to that night. Okay, so we're really looking at six more months for Habib and three more months for Connor, basically. Is that true? Right, yeah. Okay, all right. So then Connor could fight at the big... Um, Vegas show. He mentioned he wanted to fight in Brazil, which I think is in May, which may be right at the time, maybe able to fight again. When do you think we're going to see Connor fight again? I don't know. Um, a lot comes down to who he's going to fight again as well. I mean, if he's going to fight before Habib's suspension is up, he's clearly not going to fight Habib. I don't want him to fight Nurmagomedov. I don't think that fight makes any sense. Um, I, I actually agree. I actually agree. For my money, I mean, you give me the option. I have him fight Nate Diaz. I think it's really the only fight that's going to get Nate Diaz back. Uh, I'd like to see that fight. I think there's obviously some unfinished business there. It would, you know, be the rubber match of of a great trilogy and a great rivalry. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I, I I was I was curious at the uh, suspension they levied uh, towards Nurmagomedov. I thought that was incredibly steep. Uh, and you know the fifty thousand dollar fine to. 
uh, McGregor. I thought that was a bit light. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. I think every decision by an athletic commission like that uh, sets a precedent. And I'm not forgiving what Habib Nurmagomedov did at all. But every time that happens, at least in Nevada, we're under the assumption that it's going to be a $500,000 fine. Well, if you're a mid-card fighter and you do something like that, you don't make $500,000, at least, you know, on paper uh, from the purse. So I was surprised it was that steep. Um, Habib says he's never going to fight in Vegas again, which I have a hard time believing because, you know, that's where the biggest fights in the world are. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I was blown away at the actual numbers that were levied out by the Nevada Athletic Commission. Yeah, you know what else is, while we're on the subject, <clears throat> and again, this is all hearsay, whatever, but Habib's manager, you know, went public and he makes statements like Connor better watch out where he walks. Yeah, that's, that's not a good idea either. That's not a good idea. I don't, you know, it's like, let this thing calm down. Even Why if it's we- true. That's not a good idea. Well, uh, yeah, I especially don't think if wanna, it's true. Exactly. Who's going to be investigated? The first sign of God forbid something bad happens. Right. You know, I'm yeah. saying it's going to, but I, you know, I like him. I, he's always very polite to me. Yeah, you're um, talking about I, Ali Abdelaziz. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying anything bad about Ali. I'm just was surprised you want to make that kind of a statement. You know, it's like, keep it under wraps. Enough has happened. My gosh. Let's not, and, and unless everybody's still trying to sell a fight, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the case. And I mean, at this point, I don't think you need to sell a fight oh. with Conor McGregor or honestly even sell a fight with Habib Nurmagomedov. I think, you know, he's the best fighter in the world at 155 yes. pounds and making Agreed. a case to be potentially the best fighter ever at 155 pounds. But uh, bottom line is uh, they got to serve their suspensions and it's kind of a wait and see game. Yeah, exactly. Well, it is wait and see. So speaking of wait and see, let's get on to some news from the week that was. Uh, definitely has some stuff to talk about here. Now, these stories, again, we're going to go over a couple of them. We're not the uh, happy-go-lucky stories. We're going to go with those at the end and with a couple in the beginning. But this is kind of tragic. At the Orlando airport this weekend, a TSA officer jumped to his death from a balcony inside Florida's busiest airport on Saturday. And it created panic everywhere. Uh, security checkpoints were to haul for hours, grounding flights, causing serious delays, you know, last week we talked about a flight attendant that um, tragically died on a plane where usually they're helping people that are having medical issues. But I think it's the first time I've ever heard about a suicide, you know, right in the middle of everything and just jumps to his death, you know, and kills himself. Now, I'm not going to make a joke and say, I hope that's, you know, I hope that's not because he hasn't received a paycheck. And no, I didn't say that. But it's like, it's, it's amazing. You never know with people what's going through their heads. That's a big step to take. And again, I'm not, oh, that was a, I'm not trying to make a joke, so don't take that as a joke. No, I understand but, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah, that's just it's just horrific, you know. And I I feel bad. My condolences again, as always, go out to his family and loved ones. Yep. On that, but boy, that must have created some havoc. You imagine, not that there's a lighter side of the story, the people that were leaving, maybe to get to where they're going to watch the Super Bowl, and then they maybe didn't get, you know, all those different things come in. But I just feel bad reading about that. Um, another one I feel bad reading about all these reports, you know, with the Catholic Church and the uh, the issues going on, the Attorney General uh, has now released a statement saying that the, the Catholic Church has failed to report at least 500 cases of clergy sexual abuse. Mm. Now, I don't know where you go with this, TJ. I mean, I, I, where do you go with this? I mean, this has been a story, I mean, not this exact story, it's but this it's has been ongoing. a story that has, you know, gone on long before you and I were doing a weekly uh, radio program together. It's it's still hard to hear. It's baffling. It's disgusting. Um, I don't know. I mean, because it, it's it's supposed to be a sanctuary for people. You know what I mean? Their their faith is for a lot of people what gets them through very hard times. And, and to find out that you know some of the officials at the highest levels of this uh, you know ideology and, and way of life are essentially praying. On children, I don't know. I've never had to deal with it. I can't imagine what it is like to deal with something like that on a personal level. And the stories just don't stop, Bruce. Uh, They don't. They don't. It's crazy. Speaking of another story, a Florida man. Boy, there's a lot going on in Florida. Uh, I really can't comment. There's a story about this. Real quick, real quick. I want to throw this out there. I listened to a podcast recently about why all these crazy stories seem to happen in Florida and long story short is the way that Florida works in disseminating information um, 
from police blotters and profiles and, and cases. Uh, there's no real barrier for journalists to get this information. There's they just the the police stations and sheriff departments make it accessible almost instantly. So when reporters from various outlets, whether it be in Florida or in the United States or all around the world are looking for uh, a quick sort of crazy story, it's much easier for them to find content from the state of Florida, where if it happens in Southern California, you'll hear things like, ah, the case is ongoing. We're not ready to release that information yet. Or they just don't go out and make it public because they don't have to. In Florida, they essentially have to when anyone asks. And these reporters know this, so they just ask, hey, got any good stories? What, what's happened? Give me everything that's happened in your sheriff department over the last week. And they do that. And that's why you get Florida man tries to wrestle a alligator while high on methamphetamine and singing the song from Rent. Wow. Gotcha. So there you go. Gotcha. Well, let's, here's a wild story out of Florida based on what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> I got to give you one. You right. Of course. Me of course. Got to get, this is how wild it gets. It's just tragically tragic. It gets wild. this way everywhere. It's just more accessible in Florida. Well, humidity is a bitch. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Florida man reportedly kills his parents, oh, no. right? And his brother after sending, now, you know what these cam girls are, the, the girls, whether right, they're yeah. av- pre-Instagram, this is going on, you you pay a hourly, a minute rate, right, whatever right, the rate is, right. to watch these girls on their webcams do whatever they're doing to entertain you. I'm sure you can figure Bruce, it out. I, I don't think you need to explain it to our audience. I think oh, no, know. That, that was it. You think you don't. So, again, I'm not a porn guy. I've said this a million times on the show. You know, I, it just, you know, it's great and everything, but I, I've had my past. I've enjoyed it when I was a kid. It's like, okay, it's there. Great. You know, three minutes, I'm done. I didn't mean that the way it sounded three minutes. I'm done, but you know what I'm saying? I'm just, that was just an unfortunate slip of the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> take it however you want to take right. it. That's not what I, that's not what I meant. I, I just know, meant Buff. Come on yeah. now. You, okay. you caught it. You knew exactly. I'm proud to say, I know that's not what I meant. Right. So it's four minutes and then you're done. <laughs> so a Florida man allegedly shot his mother, father, brother. After wiring a Bulgarian, a cam girl from Bulgaria, $200,000 he stole from them, right? Now, oh my God. So here's how the report. You need to be a cam girl. Unbelievable. The parents, Chad and Margaret Amato, found out that their son, Grant Amato, he was wiring these exorbitant sums of money to a woman on a Bulgarian adult website called Cam Girls. Wait, let right? me ask you this. Was, th- was this one a one-time wire, or was this like the cumulative amount over many months? No, this is, according to this, um, they made him check into it. They, they found out about it. Then they made him check into it. They're, I didn't know this was there, but this sounds totally understandable what's going on on the internet these days. He went into a 60-day internet and sex addiction program, according to Click Orlando, whatever that is. The arrest report indicates he'd been in contact with the woman since June of 2018. Since then, he'd given her $200,000 over time that he stole from his family. My question is, that's June 2018. That's okay. That's uh, seven, eight months, right? Right. Over the last seven, eight months. My gosh. They, well, actually, that would stand a reason. They saw it. They checked him in. His parents, after he checked out of the rehabilitation facility in Fort Lauderdale on the 22nd of December, he's still in contact with the same Bulgarian woman. So so his parents kicked him out of the home on Jan 24th, right? He checked out of the facility on the 22nd, all right, except, excuse me, on the January 4th. It took 20 days. They kicked him out January 24th. The next day, his family members were found dead with execution-style wounds, meaning, God forbid, they were just on their hands, their their knees, and right behind the head. Okay, whatever that means. Okay? Right. So he's been detained for questioning, but he was released the next day, and then he was arrested again early Monday, and the authorities have different stories. I'm floored that they brought him in for questioning and then released him. And then released him, but he got arrested again. Got arrested again. Crazy, 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 crazy. So... I don't know how they're going to get $200,000 back, which they obviously well, won't. Especially because, it's, yeah, it's international. I mean, I think there's no recourse there. I, it would take a lot. So, uh, you know how you always talk about entertainers being sued for the slightest little thing? Right, yeah. Uh, all this. Gwyneth Paltrow, the very popular actress, uh, she had a skiing accident in Park City, Utah. Uh-huh. And now the guy that she had the skiing accident with is suing her for $3 million. What? Yeah, $3 million. Nice, huh? 
I don't know how justify it. You know what I mean? Like, how did you lose three million dollars? Like that? That's what lawsuits are supposed to be for. It's it's supposed to be for recouping damages caused by you know offenses. Like, in, unless this guy broke his leg and he was gonna you know run a race and he was the foregone favorite to win three million dollars. Like, come on. I mean, I understand. Maybe maybe you say, hey, can you help me out here? This was clearly your fault. Like, I'd, I'd love it if you could, you know, throw a couple bucks my way or whatever. But even then, like, I wouldn't expect anything, nor would I sue anybody over something like a ski accident, unless it was just disgusting negligence or where you, you caused death or serious harm to me. Agreed. So here's the explanation that I'm seeing on the, uh, yeah, give it uh, to me. On the article. It's not much. And imagine what this is like. Gwyneth Paltrow, she's being sued for more than $3 million, okay, being accused of committing a hit Quote, hit and run oh my ski God. crash that left a man allegedly seriously injured. So Terry Sanderson is the man suing her and saying that she knocked him out after she was skiing out of control and ran into him from behind during a February 2016 trip to Deer Valley Ski Resorts in, over in Park City, Utah. Beautiful place. Making matters worse, Paltrow failed to help and just got upturned and skied away. We're leaving Sanderson stunned, lying in the snow, seriously injured. Now, I'm not saying that that didn't happen. I just, I've skied so much in my life that, yes, those happen. And, of course, you say, are you okay? Right. Whatever the case might be. If she got up and skied away, chances are maybe it wasn't that serious. Chances That's are. what I'm saying. I mean. Yeah, and then he, and then he, gets, a, he gets a shyster but, attorney, or excuse me, an attorney, and right. they file a case. Yeah, and, and here's my thing. I think Gwyneth Paltrow, let, let's say the accident occurred. Mm-hmm. Even if it was negligence on her part. What he's suing over is the fact that a celebrity made him wreck right. on a slope. And if that was Bob Smith. Do you yeah, think there'd no. be a $3.2 million lawsuit? No. And if it was not Gwyneth Paltrow, it was just, you know, a, a pretty young lady. He's probably going, hey, you owe me hot chocolate in the lodge. Right, 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 right. You know, right. make a date out of it. Three yep. million bucks. Come on, man. Payday, babe. Looking I mean, for the quick payday. This is where we're at these days. Not that we haven't been in the past. Right, yeah. We talk about it. It's just more. <sighs> there, was a guy, create- there was a guy in Minnesota that owned a uh, mixed martial arts school, and he had more lawsuits against corporations than he did students. And I think he also made more money from those bogus lawsuits against corporations than he ever did actual enrolled students. So uh, there's a career to be had there. I mean, I don't know how you sleep at night. I don't know how you feel good about any of that money, but... You know, when you go up against a big corporation and they have attorneys, those attorneys cost money. If $50,000 is less money than fighting a bogus lawsuit, more often than not, they just sign the check. Well, I just did a lawsuit for a personal injury attorney. I I did a lawsuit. Excuse me. I just did a TV commercial for Mm -hmm. a personal injury attorney. I found him to be really a cool guy, great guy. And they do the cases they do. Right. Um, But, you know, people out there. Be careful. This is a sue-sue happy society. Very sue happy. And, and also, too, I mean, it's it's the way the system works. If we really wanted to change it, we would. I mean, mm-hmm. th- think about if you filed a bogus lawsuit and it was deemed by a judge to be a bogus lawsuit that you face prison time or something for that. I think we'd probably see a lot less bogus lawsuits. Well, if you're filing a lawsuit against someone like a Gwyneth Paltrow who has a lot of money, I'm sure— you better be very careful because that counter lawsuit against you could also take all your money. So think before you leap, folks. Think right. before you leap. Okay, now, next up, um, you know, we all enjoy potato chips once in a while. So we, and we hear stories like this where they find uh, old bombs and such from World War II, whatever. But a World War One, World War One hand grenade was found in a shipment of potatoes what? headed to Hong Kong. Yeah. Now, in the old days, a hand grenade was referred to as a potato smasher, right? Okay. Here's a perfect example why. Uh, the war relics are often undis- often discovered in unusual places. Right, they're buried one, th- generally, right? Yeah, this was like really a difference. So the shipment came from France. It was discovered in Hong Kong with a shipment of potatoes. So obviously, and this was the active hand grenade? Well, it doesn't say whether it was active or not. I'm sure it uh, was. I mean, I'm, Actually, I'm, yes, yes, yes. The Hong Kong police actually detonated it. Oh, my goodness. They actually detonated it after it was found. Okay, hold on. Let me get this. You see, that's what oh, blows yeah, my mind. That's what blows it my was, mind. Like the fact that it was active. I mean, I uh, it, it doesn't actually blow my mind that they found it and it got put into a box of potatoes. Uh, it, what is 
sort of crazy to me is that all of that happened and that pin didn't get pulled, that it didn't go off. And thank, thank goodness it didn't. No one was harmed in this. But the fact that it can be handled like that and processed and first off, no one discovering it is crazy. But second off, it's just not detonating. I mean, think about how easy it is for something like that to just explode and, and kill people. Like that's, you know, knock on some woods and people are very lucky and fortunate. Well, they're very lucky. But in this case, because there, were, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of people died during World War One. I. I think France lost something and don't quote me, but something in the area of like 15, 20% of the male population of France during World War One. There's a lot of battles everywhere. So obviously grenades, you don't go in the ground, get buried right. in the ground. Eventually it's a potato crop. Boom. That's what happened here. Right. The grenade was in stable condition because it had been previously discharged, but it failed to detonate at the time it was discharged. Oh but, my, that even makes it more insane that it yeah, didn't go. Exactly. So the police were still able to detonate. So it was a dud. It was a it dud was, grenade that could have really gone off at any time exactly so oh my uh, god it was it was detonated on the side of the industrial state which is the factory for this brand snack company that you know was shipping this stuff so you you know what's crazy about that too buff someone had to pick that thing up and be like hey what's this yeah you know what i mean like someone had to recognize this isn't a potato no it's not now speaking of potatoes speaking of food hot potato i'll tell you that Hot potato is no, exactly what you call it. Here's a feel-good story. Um, it's about competitive eating. But is it a feel-good story after you eat all this stuff? That's something we got to figure out. But I, I personally have watched this. I had Michael announce the Nathan hot dog contest one time uh, when Kobayashi, you know, won the contest back in, you know, at that time. Uh, you know, who's like a 135-pound Asian man downing all these hot dogs. Well, this is, this is a story about the most successful queen of competitive eating. And it kind of blows me. I was going to give you some examples of her achievements, but she's from Minnesota. She's from hey! your hometown. Yeah, I know you would like that one. Her name is Molly Schoolier. I think I'm saying Schoolier. And um, I'm she surprised is from it's Min- not Olson or Anderson, you know, yeah. up there in Minnesota. We're all the Scandinavian names. Well, she just became um, at the Farmers, uh, the Farmers Fall Festival. She became the reigning undisputed pumpkin pie eating champion of the world. Here's her oh. basic achievement in that. Pumpkin so, pie is heavy. Yeah, I know. She ate five and a half pies oh. in ten it in ten minutes. Oh my God. In ten I minutes. I mean I don't know how big those pies are, but like I mean I don't I don't really care for pumpkin pie, so maybe that's why it impacts me a bit more. Ooh, but when I do I eat like some it. pumpkin pie, that that's a gut buster, man. It sits in, in your stomach for a while. It lands heavy. Oh, you take you need five days to pass that thing, depending yeah. you know with all the other stuff in there. Yeah, a few. So in the past, she holds world records for eating pizza, hamburgers, hot chicken, fried mushrooms, rot first, and now pump, pumpkin pie. So, amongst other things, there's videos of her have gone viral. There's one where she takes down a 72 ounce steak. Okay, do the math. What's 72 divided by 16? What is that? My brain. Jeez. In your it's brain, like I four, hear you doing that in the calculator. Come on, Buff. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I know I just had to because I couldn't do it, so I just did it. What is it? And uh, it's four five pounds of steak. Oh my god! She ate that in three minutes. Three how, minutes. How can you eat that many pounds of anything in that time? I got I mean, one more for you. You're not, you're not chewing. Gonna... That's what it is. You're just not chewing. Well, no, you don't. That's the way they work. You know, they take the water, they do the swallowing, the whole bit. Here, here's another one. This blows me away. She downed five hundred and one chicken wings. Five. Hundred and one chicken wings at the annual wing bowl that's like, in Philadelphia in thirty minutes. Oh my God, that's two hundred and thirty minutes. That's two hundred and that's two hundred fifty and one half chickens. If I'm doing my math correctly, and you didn't even have to use a calculator for that. You're out. You that's know, my you Minnesota go. math coming forward yep. for me. Thank you. Well, she's only one of. There's only a few full time competitive eaters, and she makes a living doing competitive eating. And she earns, she says, enough to survive with some contests even covering her travel. Well, she doesn't um, need to buy food. Well, at, yeah, at the point that she's eating. <laughs> <laughs> they call her, they call her, they think she's like Houdini because it's, it's amazing how fast all these meals change. And she follows a normal diet. You know, she does 15 to 20 competitions a year. Uh, usually the richest prizes are $5,000 in a car. So let's say she makes herself 75 grand or more a year. Right. You know, good, good income. Good middle middle income, uh, actually above the average. I think the average income these days is around fifty five thousand a year. So good for her, and um, she maintains stomach capacity. And I've heard this before. They train with water. She can yeah, put down you just stretch of, your stomach. 
Oh, in in, in uh, one session, she can put upwards of three gallons of water in her body. And then the rest three. of the day is peeing. Oh, man. That's crazy, crazy, crazy. Like, literally, I mean, I, I sometimes drink a lot of fluid, okay, in, in the studio, you know, doing stuff, doing shows. Um, I probably have to go to the bathroom every 45 minutes or so if I'm if I'm really drinking a lot of water. I, I can't imagine if you drink three gallons, like, you just take a seat at that point, right? You just bring the laptop in, and you might as well just take a seat because you're going to have to go every six minutes. Yeah. Or, yeah. or is it just one really long one? However it falls, competitive eating is not my <laughs> choice. I, I've, I've announced, I announced a chicken eating, wing eating contest in uh, Vegas one time. And I sat there and watched these competitors do their thing. There's just no way I could do that. I well, why no, would you want no to, honestly? I, like, I don't I know would. what the prize money is. Maybe it's a lucrative career. But just, like, if you eat that many chicken wings, would you ever want to eat a chicken wing again on your own time? Yeah, for five, ten thousand in a car, maybe. Maybe. I, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Like, I really love spaghetti. I, I don't think I'd want to eat it to the point where it's gluttonous and then I never want to eat spaghetti again. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. It's a, you know, all a matter of personal choices, everything in what, life is. What would be your, you know, food of choice? If you had to do a competitive eating, like, what do you put down better than anybody, Buff? Hard boiled eggs. Really? Do you like yeah, them? The, or is it just uh, they just go down I, love eggs and I love hard boiled eggs. Actually, when I order breakfast, I'm a big eater of eggs Benedict with smoked salmon, but I hate hollandaise sauce. Oh, I just right, like, right, yeah. I just like eggs poached well, mm -hmm. which is similar to a hard boiled egg right. on top of my smoked salmon. And then I usually have a side dish of blueberries and bananas. That's my perfect breakfast. That's very what I love. proper of you. It's a, it's a very elegant breakfast. Well, thank you. I actually can cook it, but thanks to Uber eats, there's a place nearby me. Oh, if you're man. in the area I live in called the wood and for 2250, that whole meal is delivered to me. I make my own blueberries because I like to buy them special. I, I, my blueberries have to be big and plump. It's my favorite fruit. And for those of you that don't know, blueberries is a great fruit to eat for brain power. Oh, antioxidants as well. And that's the thing, too. I think it's a misnomer. A lot of people have had store-bought blueberries. But if you have a real good organic blueberry, like you said, the big and plump ones, like you haven't really had a blueberry until you've had a, a good blueberry. Well, you know, if you're on a diet, like people – proper nutritional program, which is healthy for you. Let's say at night you get that sweet tooth craving. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't really have a sweet tooth. If you eat properly, your body won't generate that kind of, well, I need sweets right. response in your brain. Your body, but, your cravings are linked to what your body needs more than your desires and wants, really, honestly. Yeah, it's what you ingest, of course, yeah. and it, 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 all that all that goes it's like with If you it. do a lot of salt, you want a lot of sweet things to counterbalance, or if you do a lot of salt, you want to drink a lot more, et cetera. Personally, I never put salt in my food. If it's in the cooking, you know, and if I'm in, I don't right. try not to eat restaurants that are heavily salted. No just, table, no table salting for you. No, no, not at all. Good for you. But I don't, anyway, I don't the, like salt. So let's say at night you've got a, a sweet craving. Right. I'm just saying out there, folks, you know, it's, it's not good to down ice cream and cake, you know, ah. late at night. It's not good to eat past really on, if you go to bed normally around 11 or so, it's not good to really eat past eight o'clock and right. definitely no carbs at night. But if you get a sweet tooth craving, have some of nature's try, candy. Just, just put it, put some blueberry. If you like blueberries, put some blueberries in a bowl, maybe some bananas, just like I just mentioned, yep. get a spoon, go ahead and put a little honey on top to give it a little, whatever and have that. You're eating a healthy, See, sure. It's going to have a few calories, but I, I think it's a little better for you than a piece of cake. You know what my favorite thing to do when I'm really eating clean buffer, when I have a sweet tooth is I will, uh, go downstairs in the middle of the night. I will grab a few strawberries and throw them in the blender and put a little dab of milk and drink that. And right. it's it's like strawberry ice cream. It really right. is. It's like if you are someone that needs sweets in your life, literally eat eat nature's candy, which is fruit. Yeah, exactly. And you're getting natural sugars. Yep. And again, but you know, too much sugar, even natural sugar. It's, again, we're getting into right. health kick right, here, right. but too much is too much. It's everything in life. I don't care if it's food, sex, or you know, lifting weights or whatever, everything in life in proper moderation for who you are. Right. Analyze what's best for you. Except your body. money. Get all of that that you can get. Like I always say, I'll always cash that paycheck, but right. I'm not about the paycheck, but I'll always cash that paycheck. No question. All right. Here we go. Another week. I got to get a lot of work done here. TJ, prepare for this trip to uh, Melbourne. Can't wait. It's a tough trip, man. I can't. I mean, how many, how many times a year do you think you do Australia? Uh, once or twice, not that bad. It's, uh, yeah. are you someone that acclimates real well? Like when you get back,
can you, you know, get back to the Pacific time zone quickly? Or are you someone that kind of struggles a couple of days? No, I struggled when I first went there in 2003 with Randy Couture. We called each other a couple of days later after we got back and admitted we were both like just in the dirt, right? Right. Yeah. Just, just lagging. So like everywhere I go and in Asia and Australia, I will tell you going over, no problem coming back. If you don't for me, I sit down and I calculate my sleep patterns right. from the moment I get on the plane to the moment I get on the plane to come back. I figure how, when I land, do I stay in the same time zone? And the quicker you're in and out of a foreign country like that, the less chance of jet lag I've found for me if I do this. So to answer your question, I have learned to deal with it very well because I know that I'm going to leave Australia on Monday and get back here earlier in a time on Sunday than I left there on Monday. It's almost one of the pure examples of time travel I can think of. Um, but I have to make sure since I land back home like at 11 or 12, I have to make sure I sleep that last eight hours of what's going to be, I think, a 13 to 15 hour flight direct nonstop. It's not that hard, TJ. Don't cry for me. Right, it's right. upper class. I'm good. The, the seat goes all the way back. But right. still, that's a long time on an airplane. No, no doubt about it. By the way, uh, this is a good uh, talking point and reminder on air production meeting. We may have to go dark next week and do a best of show because you'll be flying back and you get back on Monday, I assume. Um, Sunday, I, Sunday, so, Sunday. Oh, Sunday. You, you get back on Sunday? Yeah, I'm good next week. I'm okay. Because we have to record next Monday because uh, next Tuesday I will leave for Invicta Fighting Championships. I will right, talk about that before. Let me check my business meeting schedule because Monday's a heavy day. But yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll work it out. We'll figure it out. All right, good. We'll good deal, Bob. Figure it out. All right, TJ, uh, anything to tell the audience before we leave? Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, this Thursday night, so as people hear this tonight, live on UFC Fight Pass, I will be calling Island Fights. It's a, a regional show in Pensacola, Florida. Hopefully you check that out. Uh, UFC veteran Chase Sherman, the Vanilla Gorilla. He's in a co-main event, uh, main event of Brock Weaver, who's a really young, talented fighter. He takes on a veteran in James Freeman. Hopefully you can check that out uh, live tonight on UFC Fight Pass. Very cool. All right, everybody, I'm going to be off to Australia. I will see you off and down under on Saturday here in the States, Sunday in Australia for what's going to be a very exciting show. Looking forward to it. Thanks again for all the voiceovers and videos still coming in rampantly through BruceBuffer.com. Uh, we're there to help you. Now, I want to make clarify something. I also offer personalized videos for personalized use, not business use, at the app, the popular app called Cameo. Okay, which you can go and for a certain fee, boom, you can get something said. The Cameo app videos I do are casual. Where right. I could be yeah. on the, the gym. I could be in a T-shirt. I could be. You're not putting it on a stadium scoreboard, people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes I might do one in a tuxedo because I happen to be working the day right. that you know the Cameo came in. But again, that's I've for seen yours, Bruce. I, I actually kind of like it because it catches you at various points of your everyday normal life, and uh, that kind of adds, uh, you know, some some sort of uh, flavor to it when, you know, like clearly you're just getting back from the gym or you're going out or in that rare moment that someone might catch you in, in, with a request, you know, right before you got in the octagon. Exactly. And I'm, I'm pitching cameo everybody out there because there's many, many other. They rejected sport. me. What? Yeah. I've, I've filled out the application three times and I never hear back. And there's a guy that's got a big Chuck Liddell mascot thing and he's doing them. It's like he no, bought, no. he bought an outfit. No, 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 no. I'll take care of that for you. Listen, you know me, okay? All right, Bob. Send me an, send that me an deal email. Out. Send me an email knowing I'm going to forward it off to my contact at Cameo. I'll get you set up. There is no reason for you not to have a Cameo. Mike Goldberg has Cameo. I know. He charges very little money for, for the video. I'm surprised how little he charges. Um, if Mike Goldberg can have one, you can have one. Come on. That's ridiculous. I know. I've got enough followers, I think. I should be giving it. They, just, they don't get back to me. So. No, no, no. I No, no. There's a reason. For that. I will. That's done. It's done. I done. got you. I got you covered. It is I'll, done. Buffer's on the case. It's done. Perfect. So, all right, everybody, BruceBuffer.com for the official business, personal, tuxedo, green screen, put whatever you want. That's our elaborate setup, BruceBuffer.com. You want something casual, I'm on my way to the gym, give you a little, you know, pump a pump a motivational, whatever you want for your friends, happy birthday, whatever the case might be. Go to Cameo, check it out. And there's a lot of other people there, probably some people you're fans of that, uh, you'll have a good time if that's your choice. Okay, there's my pitch for the end of the show. Uh, everybody, treat everybody with respect. Treat people around you like a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals, write them down, learn about them, and when you step on that path with your knowledge and your motivation and your will to win, just be the best you can be because then you'll be winning. 
Thanks very much for tuning in this week on It's Time Radio. We'll be back next week with an excellent show. My phone's ringing right now. I have to answer it. (laughs) Buffer out. Get out of here. Buffer is out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.